This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,561, recorded August 7th, 2000. Well, here's what I wrote for this auspicious occasion. Inasmuch as something came over me and I couldn't help it, I tried. Some men have said that the hunger for enlightenment is, in truth, a desire to bring the chaos of the mind under control. But I say, look around. Chaos is the natural state of things, but chaos that has orderly results. Now, look at the way your mind works, then reflect on what it gets done in spite of that. And one chap says, to me, being asleep is not as bad as it once seemed. Well, back before I understood what being asleep really is. Play soccer and entertain your feet. Play the violin and entertain your fingers. Play with trying to wake up, and God only knows what you'll come up with. <laughs> and one more thing concerning chaos. <clears throat> if you check with your hands, feet, and other vital organs, you'll find that they have no knowledge of the word. Just look at how your mind works and ask yourself, could it be? Any other way? Definitions onward. A mystic. A philosopher who insists on tangible results for his efforts. A man with most serious intentions to awaken finally abandoned the noise of everyday life and lived instead for many years in reclusion. Then one day realized... During all the time that I spoke not a word, still I did not achieve silence. Fish got to swim and birds got to sing. And fish aren't able to tell birds that they hear them singing. Fish got to swim and birds got to sing. And birds can't understand why fish don't sing. Brainstem got to act. Cortex got to think about it. And having no knowledge of the situation, birds and fishes go on their merry way. Which was once the private mantra of one mystic, quote, Well, that's all I want. I just want to go on my merry way. When one guy agreed to teach this other guy everything he knew about trying to wake up, he first asked him, Do you want me to tell it to you as simply as possible? Or do you want me to make it interesting to your mind? And this question so startled the second guy in a way totally new to him that it came down, clo down close to making any further comment unnecessary. Oh. A man asked a guy who seemed to know. After a lifetime of struggling to awaken, with its many ups and downs, how can I tell now whether I am any longer making progress or not? And the apparent hip one replied, By this point in your life, you should be no longer interested in just achieving enlightenment, but rather in understanding where the desire for enlightenment comes from and what the struggle itself actually is. More definitions. Mysticism. Man's most serious hobby. Hell, truth is, it's the only such. 
Having the mind attempt to figure itself out, called seeking enlightenment by some, is for a few absolutely the most fun possible you can have without losing your mind. A comment that is supremely, that is serenely humorous in that without losing your instinctive attachment to your mind is the essential element in achieving enlightenment. The most fun you can have without losing your mind. And the comment is serenely humorous in that unless you lose your instinctive attachment to your mind, you'll never achieve enlightenment anyway. Was the actual way that song was supposed to have gone. No thanks to you. I mean me. None but the unenlightened feel accomplishment at finding hypocrisy in the affairs of men. For the very realm in which the affairs of man take place is constructed of what men call hypocrisy. The unique cultural world of man is built entirely of lies misrepresentations, and misleading mental ornamentations. Forget the fable. It is not some mischievous boy constantly giving the needless cry of, Woof! It is unenlightened humanity itself. Forever warning itself about its faults, faults that are in fact an essential part of their nature, It is only a normal, deceived mind that attributes any separate substantiality to the ideas of truth, lies, faults, and other qualitative characteristics of things non-physical. Once the mind's doppelanger is up and walking, it moves on the twin feet of hypocrisy and irony. Self-deception combined with feigned Surprise at its results. That's the twin feet of hypocrisy, as it's called, hypocrisy and irony. Self-deception combined with feigned surprise at the results. And completely off of serious matters, there's this one man who says he now thinks of his mind in terms of what it actually does as being a drag queen. I don't know whether anybody would get that, and I still don't know why you just laughed out of surprise, but think about it. It struck me one time, I just the kind of things that run through my mind about, well, you must know when all the crazy things I can, well, to me, though, I don't do them just to be crazy, but they're meaningful at the time. Everybody else talking about, throughout history, where their mind is insightful, whether it is deep, and all that. And I was just looking at the way the mind operates compared, if you want to talk about irony or hypocrisy, compared to what the mind of man states to itself and to other minds, what it's up to. If you get an objective view of what it actually does in you, just what it does compared to what it says it does and everybody else says that the mind does, one day I looked at it and I thought, well, hell, it's a female impersonator, <laughs> which I thought was a bit strong for you people, so I made it drag queen, but... And I thought, yeah. I didn't know what to do with it, but it finally came out. <laughs> Crickets love to click. Bees love to buzz. Frogs love to croak. Birds love to sing. And man loves to talk. He, like other creatures, makes sounds foremost to convey information. 
But beyond that, most of his talk now is for the mere enjoyment of it. In places where life has caused life to appear, it seems that there it abhors silence. The sound of all mental chatter is no less than the sound of mystical sleep itself. And Buddha said, When I was first enlightened, I felt an overwhelming desire to talk about it. But after realizing what enlightenment actually is, I feel overcome with the desire not to. Weird, huh? To be human is, above all, to think. And to think is, above all, to think that you are special. Which, observably, has no basis in fact. <clears throat> so, taken as a whole, do you see what this means? And if not, perhaps you're so special that it doesn't apply to you. <laughs> you human impersonator. Headline, additional definitions and clarifications of commonly used mystical terms. This time forgetting politeness. <clears throat> Being asleep is the condition wherein your mind thinks about whatever it is that it naturally wants to think about. Although not being asleep cannot be defined, it is obviously the reverse of the above. After certain aspects of the human mind are pointed out to the would-be mystic, he immediately begins to look at ordinary sleeping people, as he now calls them, as unbelievably stupid in not realizing what he now so plainly sees. But if he continues to try to awaken from this sleep, Without ever, without ever coming to personally understand what it's actually all about, he becomes the stupidest of the stupid, the one most lost amongst the only slightly confused. Even the most sincere hunger for enlightenment will do you no ultimate good until you successfully investigate the conditions in you from which the hunger originated, originates, and realize what is actually going on in your seeming struggle to change them. Even if we expediently accept the goal of the struggle is to know the truth, you can never know the truth unless you finally realize the truth about what the struggle for the truth is actually all about. And so as to keep the coin of the mystical realm forever spinning in the exhilarating air and not laying inertly on the boring ground, I recommend to you again that you consider the question of whether the final, the Big Bang Enlightenment will come to you in the form of some new knowledge you suddenly realize, or in the form of something new that you suddenly realize that you can do. Additional hint. Since the entire struggle in search for enlightenment takes place entirely in your brain, might success in the endeavor be in any way connected to where in your brain you stand as you pursue the goal? And finally, let's be done with it. Oh, it's not finally. Ha! Jesus Christ! 13, 14? There's two more pages. At any rate, this one says, let's be done with it, and let me tell you plainly. <clears throat> For best results, here is how 
it should go. In the beginning, you struggle to awaken. Then ultimately, you struggle to understand what the struggle to awaken is actually about. But wait, let me be even more direct. This is not the way for best results. This is the only way for any results. Perhaps the most dangerous, if I may use the word, lies, if I may use the word, that the mind can tell is it saying that it understands what being asleep and wanting to awaken is all about when the mind does not and never will understand. Doesn't it make you wonder why it's like this? Doesn't this cause you to think, clue, clue, there's got to be a significant clue in this. That the whole struggle to awaken takes place in the mind. And I say perhaps the most dangerous lie, if I may use a term, that the mind can tell is it believing that it understands what being asleep and wanting to awaken is about. When I say that it cannot understand, will not ever understand. And then I say, doesn't that make you go, wow, there must be some kind of significant clue in that fact. That it's only there that all this takes place. And it never can, and I say it will never, it cannot understand what's going on. And that's enough either to give you a severe migraine or to make you think, hmm. Unless you're the sort that can have a migraine and simultaneously go, hmm. And finally, experience the exhilaration and joyful release of confronting directly that most bedeviling of deceptions, wherein your mind in essence says that there is a discreetly identifiable you in you, and that this you has distinctive characteristics, often unwanted. But just consider, the mind speaks of the matter as though there is a you apart from your characteristics. The mind, what a little rascal. What a little stupid, incoherent rascal. Well, yeah, but still, you got to love him. Well, all right. It's a good thing I wrote page 14 because it gives me something to talk about, if you want me to talk. Uh... It's a variation, the way I saw this originally, the way that I continue to see it as useful. Sort of a variation on the mind, the conscious part of the mind, seeing itself as being both a noun and a verb. That it is a thing, a mind, that is capable of doing something, of acting, that is, thinking. Whereas I say that the two are the same thing. This is a variation of it. To want to awaken is to accept the fact, for you to believe the fact. Your mind accepts the fact that there are characteristics about you that are undesirable. Now, if you were a simply an amateur, go-nowhere mystic, 
you would still be tied up with physical characteristics, behavioral characteristics, that you'd believe that you're too greedy, just one step away from religion, religious ideas, that you'd believe that your undesirable characteristics are related to behavior, greed, envy. Of course, they affect your behavior is what I'm saying, although they start off internally. Uh, aggression, hostility, that you lie to people, that you exaggerate your own importance, all that kind of stuff, that you drank too much, that you overeat, that you don't attend synagogue, you don't attend temple, you don't pay homage to the gods, all that. But it's still true, what I'm saying. I wasn't going to stay there, but in case... I wrote the punchline, I thought to suit myself, that it covered it. The insanity, the foolishness of it, has not to do with the judgment of the characteristics. The foolishness of it has to do with the fact that the mind judges that there is a you. Well, that ain't a question. It's the mind talking, of course, but the mind says that there is a you, and that this you has characteristics. Has characteristics. Speaking as though... There is a you apart from characteristics. If you don't get it, I ask put it to you this way. Or I, I, I put it to you this way. A person has no you other than your characteristics. They're the same thing. We don't have a you with characteristics. If you look real quick, you can just see it. If you're trying your best, you can just see your everyday ordinary mind Again, grabbing at his temples going, what in the hell he's doing it again? You know, in other words, this can't be. It just doesn't fit. But it does. And it fits ordinary people before we even get to us. Well, it's one of those things, in my opinion, from my experience, you just got to get a glimpse of it right quick or else you don't. Think about ordinary people. We know, as I point out, now, some of you realize no ordinary sane person is satisfied with himself, satisfied with life. That, from my kinds of description, which I'll stand by and I challenge you, that is, in fact, the unrecognized, the never stated true definition, the most radical definition of sanity. That is that you are not anomalistic, not enough to be out of the mainstream, out of the majority of life in your time and place, that you are strictly physiologically, psychologically speaking, in the middle of the bell curve in your neighborhood. But still, if you're sane, you're dissatisfied. Because no sane person, they don't have to fake it, no sane person, if they try to be, quote, sincere, and you say, are you satisfied with yourself? Well, certainly not. I'm always trying to improve. But you look like that you just have life by the tail. You're so successful and happy and good-looking and rich. Yes, but you don't know. There's many things about me. I am not as happy. I'm not as carefree because I am always striving to do better. There's some very questionable, shameful aspects of me about which you obviously are unaware. But anyway, that's being sane. That's normal. So everyone's mind tells them that they not only have characteristics, but they have undesirable characteristics. But it doesn't matter whether they're undesirable or desirable. 
the ones that seem to stand out in greatest relief when people talk about it or think about it to themselves is their undesirable characteristics. But you hear it's the mind doing the same thing. Well, it's a variation of it. It's the mind, it's variation of the mind saying, well, there's me. I'm a thing. That is, I'm you. I'm it. I'm a thing. And I am capable of doing stuff. I'm a mind. I'm like an organ, a thing, and I operate. I can behave. I can engage in action, and the action that I, the mind, does is think. And, of course, a noun and what it does, or an object and what it does, are two different things. We all know that, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's true enough out in the ordinary world. That a piece of machinery uh, really has no... I'll show you guys. I was going to say a piece of machinery has no allegorical physiology. Or would it be morphology? But at any rate, a machine, a piece of machinery is defined by what it does. Not by what it is. You don't go out and just look. I mean, you can see a piece of machinery and you look at it and you think, well, I've never seen anything like it. And then once somebody throws a switch and you see what it actually does, it's quite possible that then you can understand what it is. But it's defined by what it does. You know, a liver just laying out there on the ground. I mean, I don't know why somebody would leave their liver just laying on the ground. But if you just walked up and saw a liver there, and you'd go, what the hell is this? You know, you'd probably kick it or you know, use it for, what's that game, hockey, socky or something? <laughs> you see a liver, and you see a, you know, a half-deflated soccer ball, and you don't know what's what until you see them in operation, and you see what they do. At any rate, that is true enough out in the external world. Which is always, if any of you ever followed this kind of thinking on your own or ever have, all the foolishness from me, to call it foolishness, the misrepresentations that the mind makes about what goes on inside of us does not come from nothing. Or to put it another way, that the mind can look outside and everything that I could define as being foolish, such as the mind believing that it's a thing, and that it has an ability to engage in action that is thinking, and that it and what it does are two different things. That is based upon the fact that looked, when the mind looks outside of us, out into the external world, that that is valid. That's why I was, if you didn't catch the connection, that's why I say that there is absolutely a connection in the physical world, that you see something, and it doesn't have to be man-made, but you see something, and it's defined by what it does. Perhaps this is no interest to man. If it doesn't do anything, if you can't make it do something, because if it gets to be man-made, then you have to get in and you start digging out iron ore, and it ends up being uh, the uh, steel that makes a piece of machinery. So we have to do something with it. But it still ends up that it's defined by what it does, not by what it is. Because if it doesn't do anything, nobody's interested in it. So, what I'm saying is, the idea that something is defined by what it does has absolute, observable, valid, or, or is valid when you look at matters outside of you. But when the mind turns on itself, I say it is no longer valid. 
And all you got to do is you can come up with one eye that can stay awake and wide open enough for a quick glimpse. You realize it. Back to what I was saying. There's a variation of the mind believing that it is a separate entity from what it does. Uh, the mind also sees you. Everybody's mind sees themselves as having characteristics. Notice the word having characteristics. In the same way the mind says, I have thoughts. Or the variation of that, of you saying, I have a mind. You, you think, yeah, I do. And then your mind says, and I have thoughts. You think, what a combo. You know, we're unbeatable. How about we're unawakable? No, let's not go into that. The mind says that you have characteristics. I ask you again. Or I tell you again. All right, I ask you. No, I tell you. All right, I ask you. What is a person without characteristics? That's when I told you, as far as I can tell, you just have to suddenly see it, and it's probably gone in a flash, but when you see it, you see it clearly. Well, if you don't, I can surely stomp on it a bit more. Really, if you think about it, even if you don't get in a flash, maybe you can chew on it until it flashes on you. Now, we're not talking about a man physically. We can turn around to someone who's comatose. And we can say, well, they're a person. They're a human. You know, there they lay. So we're not, we're not talking about the physique of a man. We're talking about the thing that makes a man a man. That is his unique inner life. The mind says that you, this inner life you, the mind says this to everyone, says it to it about itself and about other people, that everyone, you and everyone else's, their you, has characteristics. That's what makes us identifiable besides our different looking physiques and our different genders and different heights and etc. That it is your particular combination of characteristics that actually makes you. Yes. Take away all the characteristics and what are you? All right, how about this? How about verbally? What if I take away, if you take away all the characteristics and I ask you, I bring up, you know, Sam X. Do you know Sam? You go, yeah, I've known him a long time. And I go, well, tell me about him. But wait, I don't hear anything about his characteristics. I don't know about him. You can say he's my best friend. Maybe your father, your mother. And I say, I'm dying. I've heard so much. I've always suspected great things. Now, please tell me. I'm serious. I want to hear about but I don't hear anything about their characteristics. Just tell me about them. You go, okay. Duh. Am I wrong? How could you describe anybody? At least you miss it. How could you describe you? You're on the telephone applying for a job. They say, we need somebody immediately, and you're dying for the job. And they go, well, tell me something about yourself. I'm prepared to hire you over the phone if you're what we need. But don't tell me any of your characteristics. You know, uh, just, just tell me about you, not your characteristics. Am I not correct? Or, well, do you, not, do you see it, I assume, from the way some of you now here are chuckling? If you take that as a genuine requirement, if you take it as a real 
serious attempt, a description of attempt. Am I not correct that there's not one thing you can say about you and no one ever thinks about it? Plus, is the word characteristics on you? I could say personal attributes, habits, quirks, idiosyncrasies. I'm just trying to cover everything by characteristics. How could you describe you or anyone else? This is not just a verbal joke of some sort. Not to me it wasn't. I got something out of it, and I still believe you could. If you do not describe characteristics, as you take away a man's characteristics, whatever for good or ill, you take those away, what is he? Well, assuming some of you are glancing, I'm telling you, you then look inside a guy, if you could actually do it, you look inside and you take away your description of characteristics, or yourself, you look in, and it's empty. The characteristics are like the... If there was some sort of unseen, I was going to say magnetic image, and you threw down iron filings around it. Have you ever seen that? And it's under a piece of paper, and the filings just line up and make the outline. Characteristics are like these iron filings around a magnet under a piece of paper, and you blow them away. But when the outline of the iron filings were there, you could look down there as a, a certain outline, a certain form that you identify based on the characteristics. And, yeah, that's me. And then you go, and blow the iron filings off the paper. And there is no you. You dispense with characteristics, and nobody's anybody. So think about it. One more time, back to ordinary people. I just want you to understand, this is, we have this, this is true all across the board. Everyone believes that, they're made, that they have, remember, that they have characteristics. And very often, some or many of them are undesirable. They say they do not want them, they're trying to overcome them, etc. And I'm not going to stop and argue and debate individual characteristics of ordinary people. It's neither here nor there. You should know by now it's just a matter of life doing what it wants to. It's the pressures of life internally on itself that makes some people who drink say, I should cut down my drinking and take, makes other people who drink never think about cutting down. Makes some people who, well, you understand, that some people have, people have the same characteristics, like I love to drink or I love to eat. I love to sleep. And one guy says, yeah, but I sleep too much. I have got to, I want to, I'm trying to cut down. Another guy says, I love to sleep. If I didn't have to work, I'd sleep more. I'd sleep later every day. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's not the characteristic itself. But people have characteristics, and some people consider the characteristic to be undesirable. Some people might consider it desirable. Some people may have never really thought about it, pro or con. But if you... You know, you just ask them, is this an important part of your life? You go, oh, yeah, now I think about it, yeah. You take away the characteristics. If you could do, if you could make an ordinary man's, man's mind, if you could do what I was talking about, and you could say, can you describe you? Can you describe the man in which you're his mind? And your mind goes, certainly. And you go, but can you do it without mentioning any of his characteristics? which is a trick, telling the mind any of his characteristics. But you can do that because your mind is so dumb. Your mind will go, well, yeah, I'll try. And that's why immediately, if you had any sense, you could, you'd turn and walk away, mumbling to yourself, you stupid idiot. That it says yes. You say, well, will you describe the man without describing any of his characteristics? And the mind and the man will go, well, sure, I'll give it a try. 
course, there's your answer. Go, you know, well, don't bother. Which is the same as, well, do you, you understand what you're doing? Are we getting closer to waking up? And your mind says, well, well yeah, I can, I can tell that. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if there's any way you can get away from that mind, I, I've already advised you to do it. Maybe trade it in. Well, I don't know that's. Well, why not? I've thought about that in the past. If you could, are you sure you'd be any worse off? Years ago, I thought, well, yeah, what if you did trade? What if you could just go up to a stranger on the street? Just at random go, I'll take a chance. Could I, if I did the gods a favor, could I swap what goes on in my mind? Could I swap somebody else's mind? The first time I thought that, I thought, well, phew. I saw it just the opposite the way that I finally saw it. Because at first I thought, well, that's a clever thing I came up with. But no, not in reality. You know, it's better to live with a damn stupid demon, to paraphrase, I think, the New Testament, to live with the stupid demons I got rather than to take in, you know, some new ones that are untested. So I thought, well, yeah, as dumb as asleep and deluded as I can be, you know, who knows? I could look at somebody else that looked like they were more successful in life or better looking or happier or more intelligent, better education. And if I did have that one chance, when all right, I'll swap minds. You know, for all I know, I could end up, as far as trying to awaken, in worse shape. Shortly, I saw through <laughs> that illusion. <laughs> After giving the punchline, I just said I couldn't be worse off. And of course, then the next stage is to realize there is no qualitative worse off anyway. <clears throat> Back to where I was. I shouldn't make up these stories. I keep having a fear there's somebody out there somewhere. Well, I know there's some people that finally, I keep forgetting that people are now hearing some of this and reading. I'm getting notes from people now. Email from people. And it surprised me. And for some way they've heard or now read, I guess it's all coming about from our doings on the Internet. But now people questioning, trying to get in and analyze stories I made up wherein it sounded like I was talking about me like one time I thought so-and-so. I'm now getting some. These long, you know, several-page analyzations. Aha! So, when you did so-and-so, now I look at it and I go, what the hell are they talking about? And assuming that they're telling the, relaying something they read or heard, I'm assuming I did actually say that. But then I look at it and go, well, you know, that didn't actually happen. You know, I may have said, you know, this is what happened or I did so-and-so. And I keep forgetting that somewhere somebody might eventually hear me say something like that and go, ah, well, that's quite revealing. <laughs> Trust me, I was there. Even if most of the stuff I made up, if it did happen, I was there, and I'm telling you, it was not revealing. How about that? Hmm. Well, now I'm depressed. Well, um, of course, that's... <laughs> Now that I mentioned that's one of my characteristics that I'm trying to overcome. <laughs> I must, well, I, I didn't mean to, but I guess I will have to do some more self-confession. For many years, I tried to overcome being depressed like that. And I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I finally realized that I wasn't getting anywhere. And then that really depressed me. Until I finally realized that it didn't matter. See, that's just a characteristic. Not being depressed is just a characteristic of me making up this kind of stuff. It's saying, well, I was, well I, being depressed could have been a characteristic. But I didn't want to get you confused. 
And now we're all back on, back on track. If you take away the characteristics, the nine physical characteristics of a man, a human being, a, a you, a self, an I, I ask you, what's left? And I'll answer, there is nothing. So when I put it to you about describe over the phone yourself without describing any of your characteristics, I believe that most of you here immediately realize what I was saying. You would literally, if you truly, sincerely tried to meet the requirement, the man said, describe yourself to me just any way you want to, except don't, don't bother me, don't give me your characteristics, don't describe to me your foibles, your quirks, your eccentricities, your habits. I don't want to know your characteristics, okay? This is an important job. I need to know you. So tell me about you, but don't, don't tell me anything about your characteristics. There is no you without characteristics. The characteristics are you. Now to us. Let me put it to you this way. It's the same thing. What if it makes you feel better? It's the same thing, but on a higher plane. How was that? For you people on tape, I made a, I thought it was kind of a spiritual gesture of my hand and looked up that we are in the same position except on a higher plane. Of course, I used to find that entertaining to myself is, how can you be dumber on a higher plane? Like I, you start out seeing, once you hear the man's asleep and could be awake, you look around as I was putting a news item. And this seems to be the way it goes, I'm sure it is for everyone, that immediately when a would-be mystic hears certain aspects of the operations of the human mind described in whatever terms, he then looks upon everybody else. When he's think in other words, he accepts the story that, yeah, man's asleep, if that was the description. Then he looks around and he sees, well, humanity is asleep. We're all just stupid. We do not know what's going on. We're just, we're deluded sheep. Or perhaps cows of average IQ, <laughs> of average bovinian IQ. But then later, no one ever, I've never heard this described, it just hit me. Here I go again. God, this confession, it feels so good. Maybe if I'd actually led a real life, I'd write my autobiography. But wait a minute, it's already, we've already proven how much I can make up. That you accept the fact that all of humanity is stupid. They're asleep and stupid. But then it's, you're finally faced with this fact somewhere along the way, whether people ever actually realize it, that it's got to hit you someday. Wait a minute. Here I am. I'm trying to escape from this. The rest of the world doesn't even understand it. They, they do not realize that they are asleep, deluded, and stupid as hell. But at least I realize it. And at least I'm trying to do something about it. And then one day it struck me, wait a minute. How can you be stupid, deluded, on some kind of higher plane? How's it changed? Well, yes, I'm not like everyone else. They're just stupid. But I'm stupid, sure. I'm asleep and stupid. But by God, I'm trying to do something about it. I have moved sleep and stupidity up to some sort of higher metaphysical level. 
Then I put a dice and then said, and so? <laughs> As it turned out, I did not have an immediate answer. So I brought it up. Now I'm depressed again. If you look at your mind, if you look at every complaint you have to get to the punchline, if there is one, I'm about to make it up. It's hard to believe. I've been talking for 30 minutes, having no idea where this was going. Yeah, I did. Can anyone prove I didn't? But then I wondered, could I prove it? I went, what? That's when my character... Ah! No, no, no. Look at your own mind. To make it real quick, if I use it as a kind of, my kind of archetypical description of someone struggling to awaken. That your past worrying about behavior, that that's not your problem. Interpersonal relations, behavior. That now, you and the struggle to awaken, you understand where the struggle is being played out. Where it's always been played out, but now that you simply recognize, it's in your head. It's in your mind. That's the only place it takes place. Anything else is imagination tripled. So what's going on in your head, some of it, some part of it is unwanted. And, of course, mystics normally say, well, it's sleeping consciousness. It's my mind when it is distracted. It is consciousness in man's ordinary mechanical state. Whatever you call it, it's characteristics, mental characteristics that you have that you wish to be rid of. You wish to suppress them. You wish to simply be shed of such characteristics. Would that not be? Would that not be an acceptable verbal description t to anyone's thinking of what an awakened mind would be? An enlightened mind would be a mind. Anyone's. You know, you say it for yourself that you're an awakened mind to you. Well, you can say it be true with everyone. That an awakened mind would be a mind devoid, now free of all the undesirable, the sleeping, the deluded characteristics. I repeat now on our level. Take away the characteristics of your mind and what have you got? If you do that just right, it'll wake you up. I also slap the mental shit out of you for a second and daze you. Or put you in gridlock. But am I not being fair in the description that would not you accept it that an awakened, enlightened mind would be one in your particular case, in which we would take the undesirable characteristics of your mind, of its thinking, of which you're, let's assume by now, acutely aware. Would you not say that your success would be in all of this? That the awakened mind, the successful completion of this would be to have a mind free, an inner life, free of all the undesirable from your view. Just leave it to your view, your feeling that all of the unwanted, undesirable characteristics of me and my thinking, if I were free from them, that would surely be awake. Surely everyone would accept that has got to be a working definition. Okay, except take away all the characteristics of your mind and what's left, which is a variation of take away the characteristics of you. The guy asks you to describe you on the phone, but don't bother me. I don't want to hear about your characteristics. I don't know about you. Just tell me about you right quick. I say that there's nothing to tell. Absolutely nothing. There is not a word you can say about you if you take away describing your characteristics. 
All you got to do is change that from talk about you to the mind that you are attempting, haha, to look inside at your own mind or your thinking. But you understand they're the same thing. And you, without any doubt, perceive that there are, there are characteristics. You may think of them as habits of my mind. That if I were free from those habits, I'd be awake. Or if that's not awake, I would settle for that. Take away all these habits of your mind, and what have you got? There is no mind. There is no you left. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. <laughs> I'm just saying that nobody realizes it. Everybody's in charge. Everybody's all charged up when they start. And few people ever get past that point. It just sort of peters out on them once they get old, if they stick around it. But you start out all charged up that I am going to overcome all of these undesirable traits, these characteristics. Then I will be awake. There is no I without those traits. Without traits. What's your traits going to be? Well, don't, don't even scratch that. The real question is, clue, clue. That's the real question. Is how can this be? And isn't there something significant in that that I'm not getting? That I don't see head on? Probably. Or else there'd be more bodies on the floor. Overcome by the Holy Spirit. Or too much alcohol. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't see enough figures withering in the floor. Especially women with short Well, never mind that. The kind of thing got me thrown out of that pastorship of that lap. Never mind. <laughs> <coughs> I had a final comment. I stick by one of my other urgings and suggestions that you cannot do better. I have not found anything better. Everything considered. I don't know anything better, a better approach than just constantly trying to ask yourself, in quotation marks, ask yourself, what is it right now, right this second, in me, that's driving me. That what is it that's me right now? Why? What's making me about to say, okay, that's enough, take off the mic and leave? Or what's making me, I'm, I'm about to get up, I'm dying to get up and go get a cup of coffee. Go for, what is it? The simple question. I always try to perhaps overly elaborate. The question is, what is me? Who is me, or what slice who is it that's me? Which I have always suspected is too blunt, too head-on for most people. Unless you just finally stumble on it yourself. But take that in conjunction with what I'm saying tonight. If you look at it one way, just ask yourself, do it to yourself. Literally, it's think, how would I describe me? Right now, if I said, describe me, describe you to me, that's very serious. And I'll ask any of you. You know damn well you'd start, well, I'm too shy for my own, well, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but uh, 
I let people push me around and I worry too much about that. I worry when there's nothing to worry about. Uh, My mind constantly is in the future. I'm playing out bad dreams that probably never happen. Uh, And I, I, I feel like I probably, I do not do it as much as I used to when I started this, but they're still there. My mind still is just, is like a lifetime of habit and, uh, I'm always, and I don't trust people. I'm always assuming that anybody I deal with, they're going to try and cheat me in some way. And it just, it's like nobody respects me. It's like nobody, you hear all that. If I say, all right, try and describe yourself to you. But don't describe any of your characteristics. Don't describe your traits. Describe you. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.